0: If you remember, we started off this series, we're talking about Exodus. And um, I had a little Disney on the brain. And I'm a little stoked about the new uh, <clears throat> Star Wars movie, because I'm a little bit of a nerd. <laughs> a little, thank you. Um, and so the first message was called uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And we talked about the emper- empires. And this one's A New Hope. If you're a Star Wars nerd like me, uh, you understand the reference. Um, I got to build lightsabers with my kids. Are you kidding me? How cool is that? It's like every, well, my dream of a life. I was done on Monday. I was like, oh, that's what we got to do Monday? Can we go home now? I want to play. I want to play. I want to play. Um, so anyway, that was my week. Uh, it was a good, good week. Fun, great time with the, the kids. Disney's a very interesting place. You learn a lot about people there. You learn a lot about self-respect there. <clears throat> you learn a lot about parenting there. You learn a lot we learn also a lot about excellence there. Um, how they even make their messes look good. Like that, that's just impressive to me. Um, but they do a lot of things. I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Because you're standing in line, so you gotta think about what you know, what can you learn from this thing. That's how my brain works. Um, I learned a lot um, on that week, but also it was just a fabulous time. If you're friends with me on Facebook, which uh, I would love to be your friend on Facebook, uh, uh, you get to see all kinds of crazy pictures of our kids doing all kinds of silly things, and we just had a blast. Um, Thank you uh, for everyone who kept the balls rolling here, and um, it was a great week. Anywho, back to what's important here. A New Hope is the title of this message. God is in the business of bringing new hope. This is what he does, and then he sets it in motion. I think far too often we get caught up on the idea of we need new hope. We need a new beginning. We need a new start. But after that happens, what do we do? And this is one of the formative changes that happens in, in in people's lives and in our faith lives and as we talk about mother's day i think this is very appropriate for mothers because they are bringers of new hope right mom first time moms are hilarious because they think being pregnant is hard that's the easiest part of the whole deal from my observation i mean i would have not been pregnant okay but uh Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I disagree with you. Uh, But being, you know, that part, you know, everybody's like, oh, aren't you cute? It's still about you. Things are going to change here pretty quick, though, aren't they? (laughs) Everything changes. That whole thing, oh, I can't sleep. I'll wait until it comes out. (laughs) Right? And maybe that was just me. She didn't bug me when she was pregnant, but. Afterwards, I had to get up. I don't, I don't know, maybe that was the point, but it's just it's funny how we, we but their moms are bringers of of this new hope, of this new idea of this baby coming in and going, oh my goodness, everything changes. And then the hard part starts. Alright? And for the next 18 years, hopefully, you get to try. Moms are like, 20 57. Uh, so um, for the next 18 years, or give or take so, you're in charge of developing and nurturing this child so that they can be unleashed onto the world, right? And rearing them and so they can make a difference. As I looked at the Exodus story, and I thought about Mother's Day, and I thought about Jesus, and I thought about our own lives, it was this recurring theme of almost parenthood that kept on popping out to me. And the story of Exodus is really God's parenting of the children of Israel into adulthood. And as we, we think about that today, I want your heads to get about that. We have three distinct phases of God parenting the people of Israel And how Jesus works, and then I think also how he spiritually parents us as well. The first phase is God does everything. God does everything. And if you are a mother of an infant, you do everything. This is what uh, me and my friends called Pet Rock Face, right? Kyle's still in Pet Rock Face, right? It's a great face. You'll point, you laugh, you smile, you're. (laughs) I change it every once in a while. You know, it's like, okay, so that's what I got. And then they become mobile. <laughs> right? And they grow horns and it's all over. <laughs> so they, get, they, they, they go mobile and the world changes. Does it not? It changes. Things are not as high as you thought they were. You all of a sudden gave birth to spider men and women. You know, they're up on the cabinets. Tarzan. Oh. It happens. That was pretty good right there. I didn't even rehearse that little sound effect. <laughs> okay, uh, anywho. <clears throat> that threw me off bad. I wasn't expecting that. Um, God does this. He does everything at the beginning, just like moms do everything at the beginning. They're dependent on you for everything for food, for cleanliness, for everything. They are you know, left to their own devices. They couldn't do anything. They are a pet rock that makes noise. That's that's what they do. And we find the children of Israel in Exodus in pet rock face. They are in slavery. They cannot do anything by themselves. And God finds them, hears their cries, just like a mother hears the cries of her baby, to say, I don't want to be like this anymore. And he acts and he saves. And this is what the plagues are all about. The people of Israel had nothing to do with the plex. They didn't bring any gnats. They didn't bring any frogs. They didn't do any of these things. They they weren't in charge of that. They didn't move the Red Sea. They couldn't do that. They couldn't set themselves free for nothing. There was no way that they were militarily going to overthrow the most powerful army the world had ever seen up to that point. God does it all. Exodus 12, verse 40, says this, Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night the Israelites are are to keep the vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. God does it all. He rescues the people in this. He does all the heavy lifting. In fact, he goes on a little bit farther, and he starts doing all the what, the, f- uh, the feeding as well, and the watering, all of it. He's taking care of all of it, but something changes when they cross the Red Sea, and this is what's going to happen, and we're going to see this repeated over and over again. This is almost like a spiritual adolescence. This is Israelite becoming a teenager, and if we ever have gone through adolescence, we know this is not the most enjoyable time of life. I had a professor who called sixth grade the armpit Of the universe. Can I get an amen on that, right? Sixth grade, you know, adolescence is just rough because you're you're fighting that. Oh, I'm free, I can do things. And then I want my mommy all at the same time. And it might be in the same 30 seconds. And you have no idea. Like it's just this this weird thing, and you're trying to figure it out, and you think you can do it by yourself and you think you can't. As a parent, it's gotta be crazy as well. Like, oh, they were acting like an 18-year-old, and now they're four. Help me, Jesus, right? There's, there's that happening because there's this weird, I'm trying to figure out life and trying to do it on my own, and I keep on messing up, and I, I'm scared of life, and I want to jump into life, and why won't they let me do this? And why would they, they let me do that? I, all these emotions going back and forth. There's all these interesting things. The people of Israel and the trip around Sinai is their adolescence. If you read Exodus... They do something, and then something bad happens, and they whine like a teenager. It would be better if we we're still slaves. You don't love me anymore. Why don't you let me go out with Johnny? Because Johnny does drugs. Right? Why would you let me marry these le- pe- weird people from the desert? Because they worship weird gods, and we're not going to do that. Oh. It's the same thing. If you read Exodus, you can hear a teenager voice in the Israel. Israel. Over and over and over again. God does, though, take an active role in their life. And this is, my dad always talks about a, a fist. When they're born, you hold on to them really, really tightly. And then for the next, you know, two decades, it's about how quickly to let go of the hand. And he would always, when I screwed up, the hand analogy always came out. And sometimes the fist was harder than the other times, okay? But um, but he we talk about, now, if you make good choices, that hand gets opened faster, and if you make bad choices, it can close real quick, and it can also smack you, Uh, but (laughs) he didn't beat me that much Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding, he did all the time no (laughs) i fell over Nah. uh, he's in Mississippi now, I can say whatever I want (laughs) his arms are long, they're not that long um but that hand can just close back up. And this is what's going on. If you read Exodus, this is what happens over and over again. The people do something, and God's like, man, and the hand closes. Okay, i got to walk you through this part. And it gives them a little more freedom, and they mess up again. And it's the same thing. It's just like having a teenager. Just like having a kid. You're like, oh, okay, oh. and that hand might be tight for a little longer than you want it to. I remember the time um, I, before I got my license. My mom said, I might have told this story before. She said, my mom and dad sat me down. They said, listen, you get a speeding ticket, you lose your license for two weeks. You get in a wreck, you lose it for a month. Okay. Fair enough. I get in a wreck. I hit my doctor. (laughs) Do you know how embarrassing that is? Hi, doctor. How you doing? And they're screaming at you and yelling at you. You're a 16-year-old kid scared out of your mind. There's more to the story that I'll tell later, but that's fun. Um, I, wa- I walked in, walked in the house, just dropped the keys. The hand was closed. There was no fighting, no squirreling out of the the, the 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 fist. And guess what? Having a clenched fist is not comfortable for either one of the parties. You don't want to have your knuckles raked right together like you do when you, you know when you. You're, it's the thing you learn in parenting class, right? It's like the kids are squirming, they're acting up. And if you get the knuckles just in the right spot, you're like, okay, I'm stopping. Right, you guys know that trick? If you don't, you need to learn it. Uh, so, all right, you don't have to squeeze hard, uh, just a little bit, like, mm, uh, and, it, and it happens. And so that was what was happening with me. The problem is, you know what? I held a lot of hands this week at Disney. It's not fun for the parent either. Mm, 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 mm. Mom, my parents, I was 16 years old. I was involved in everything. I needed to go all kinds of different places. These weren't like non-negotiable practices and all these different things. My parents were like, oh, my Lord, can we get over this whole grounding thing of the keys? It was uncomfortable for them. They wanted to let me go. They wanted to give me that freedom. But they stuck by their guns and, and did it. It's a lesson I remember. God does the same thing here in the, in the desert. He's doing the same kind of thing. He's, he's going, all right, you get a little, you're not ready yet. This is why it takes them 40 years in the desert. They go through 40 years of adolescence. Some of the parents in here are like, that's the problem. (laughs) But God walks them through that. Here's an interesting way God God does this. In Exodus 17, verse 10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took the stone and put it underneath him. And he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands on one side and on the other, so that his hands were made steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Who's fighting the Amalekites? Is it God or the Israelites? I think the answer is yes. But the interesting thing is, notice how bought in the Israelites have to be. They have to be fully engaged into the conflict. They have to be fully engaged into where God is taking them. And even Moses' hands have to be raised. And if it, can you, uh, come on, guys, pick it up. There's some interesting thing going on. I don't know what God's doing in the battle, if he's just giving courage, if he's strengthening arms. What is all happening there? But there's this, this tidal shift in the, in the army swaying going on. But it's the people actively participating in the living out of their faith, the living out of their livelihood with God as an active participant. And this is where we find, I think, ourselves sometimes, as we're like, oh, this is really difficult. But we find ourselves doing the battle without God's support. The hands have been dropped. We haven't prayed in a month. We haven't read the Bible. We haven't worshiped. We haven't come to church. We haven't engaged in, in, in anything in the Christian lifestyle forever. But we're wondering why we're losing the battle. God, I thought you gave me a new life. I thought you redeemed me. I thought you did all these things. What, what's going on here? Well, you're not participating in this. You're acting as a child in adolescence, and we want your own way. If you read Exodus, you see they do that all over and over and over again. In the Exodus story, God equips them to do it. At the end of the Exodus story, when Moses dies, this really interesting um, succession takes place. And these are words not only for me, not only for them, not, but they're for everybody that has participated in the Christian faith, I believe. After the death of Moses the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people will get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country. To the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead the people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. This is the people moving from adolescence into adulthood. God has taught them the lessons. It took them 40 years, but now it is time to be strong and courageous. I will be with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It's time to do this thing. The trials that are going to happen in the promised land are way worse than whatever happens in Sinai, but God is never going to leave them, never going to forsake them. And he moves them and he sets them free. free. I think it's very interesting as we look at spiritual development of our, of us, the same thing happens with Jesus. He follows the same rhythm. Jesus does it all on the cross. We have no active role in the cross. We're not hanging on the cross. We're not doing anything on the cross. We have no role in the cross. We are not redeeming our own sins. There's nothing that we can do on the cross that, that really matters, Jesus does it all on the cross, just as God does it all in setting the people free, uh, the Israelite people free. Do you see that, that parallel there? Jesus does all that. The second thing Jesus does after the cross is he equips his people for 50 days. He equips them. See, the disciples are... Have a quicker adolescence time period, one that I would like, only a 50 day spiritual uh, adolescence instead of a 40 year spiritual adolescence. But for, for 50 days, he's doing this kind of beam me up, Scotty thing, and he's appearing to people and showing them the holes in their hands and saying, Listen, this is what you got to remember, Thomas. This is what you got to remember, John. Peter, let's get it together, buddy. You're the rock that I'm going to build this church. Let's do this. Over and over again, he's doing all these interesting things for 50 days. And then he equips them to change the world. He sets them, he puts them in a place in which they get to be sent out to change the world. I always thought of Exodus as this grand, huge story. And then everything else kind of seemed like secondary to Exodus, right? The huge march of people, the huge miracles, all these things. Think about it. He equips them to change the world. For 2,000 years, the world has been different because these guys were equipped and sent out, were obedient in their faith, were obedient in speaking, obedient in letting the Holy Spirit use them. It changed the world. the same type of spiritual parenting arrives for us as well. Jesus will give us a new beginning. Maybe you're there today. You're in a place where I am just, I've messed up. My life doesn't make any sense. Things are rough. Jared, you have no idea what's going on in my life right now. And you need a new beginning. That is available to you. I think one of the dangers for us is we stay in the new beginning zone. We stay in adolescence too long. We think, oh, we had a new beginning. Well, no, I just need another new beginning. Oh, a week passed. I need another, another new beginning. Well, I need another, another, another new beginning. No, you don't need another new beginning. You need to grow up. And that's where we find ourselves, I think, a lot of times in life. And for the Israelite people, it took them 40 years to grow up. For the disciples, it took them 50 days. I'm pretty sure we'll be somewhere in between. And that's a hard part, and that's where we question God, and we get upset, and we, we sound a whole lot like the Israelites. Why are you doing this, God? It would have been better if I never would have met you. It would have been never if you, better if you never redeemed me. It would have been better if I never went to church. It would have been better if I did this. No, 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 we're in a growing process. This is that process of that hand starting to open to unleash you into who you can be in the kingdom of God. And there's gonna be openings of hands and closings of hands, and oh well, you couldn't handle that one. Let's 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 start it again. As a good parent does. Because, you know, we saw all kinds of parenting styles in Disney. If you never let your kid make mistakes, they ne- never can operate on themselves. They always are in a plastic, you know, blow-up bubble. They can't ever. Be a fully functioning person of society. Your kid has to fall on their face to know not to fall on your face. My little nephew, he's two and a half, and he was with us. His poor knees look like hamburger. Because <laughs> he thought he could jump out of a stroller whenever he wanted to. He thought he could run down hills. He thought lots of things that were finding out not true. But there was times that you oh, how we he, he give you a band-aid? Don't do that again. Okay, well, I didn't jump out of my stroller anymore. You didn't tell me that I can't jump out, of, you know, <laughs> I can't run down a hill. Okay, we're going to work on that one. So we just kept on band-aiding it up. We were band-aiding places that didn't even, we are pre-band-aiding band-aiding, okay? Because <laughs> it was just one of those things that he's going <laughs> to, little dude's going to take it down. But if we just keep him in the stroller and wrap him in, he's never going to learn. It might have made an easier day for us a little bit. But that's how, you know, God is doing the same kind of thing for us. He's like, okay, this might hurt. This might be awesome. But Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Okay, we'll pick you up. We'll set you back up. That's not time to give up. Oh, God doesn't love me. He He let me scrape my knee. That's not it at all. He's letting you grow up. I think spiritually we go through this all the time. We need to understand the moments. What he has promised us, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so we need to switch our minds. Well, God must not exist. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me anymore to switch. it, How is he letting me grow in this moment? Because God loves you more than you can ever imagine, more than you can ever know. So how am I learning through this? How am I growing through this? Some of those seasons are hard. I remember an adolescent time in my life, spiritual adolescent time in my life when I was just cranky with God. I thought I was going to hurt him by not talking to him anymore. I was just silly. And finally, when I could bring myself to, to talk to him anymore, he's like, okay, you're back. you, you want to talk to me? Let's talk, let's talk, let's talk. And it was almost like a, a flowering or a blooming of my faith when I, I went through this dark season where I scraped my knees and a lot of other things. And God says, you know what? Okay, okay, okay. Let's start to rebuild you in that. Maybe you're in that adolescence. I know it's a tough place to be. But it's all to get on the other side of being an adult and being what, uh, what that looks like for us, that we can be unleashed into the world. I think some of us have kind of a Peter Pan syndrome where we, we don't want to grow up. We don't want to have the responsibility of that. There's bills that you have to pay and other things you got to do. But generally, being an adult pretty good if you take out those taxes. I want to be unleashed. I want to be in a place where God is using me day in and day out, where I get to have the, the challenge from God to be strong and be create, courageous. He doesn't give that to a teenager. He doesn't give that to an adolescent. He gives that to an adult to say, be strong and courageous and go and take this land. He gives it to the to the disciples to say, all right, now it's time. I've walked you through. Most of those boys went through their teenage years with Jesus, and now he says, all right, guys, it's time to go. And for some of us today, it's time to move on past adolescence into being fully developed sons and daughters of the king. Moms, I know you have a huge challenge. As you are an equipper and a discipler, and a boo-boo binder, and a nose-wiper of us. I want to challenge you not to let um, the fear of your kid getting hurt keep you from pushing them into areas that stretch them. Because we want to push them into adulthood. Not too fast, not too slow, but so that they can be unleashed to change the world. Maybe today you find yourself in a place of needing new beginning. Maybe I described you in adolescence, and you go, I don't want to be a teenager anymore. I'm 50 years old. Why don't we identify the areas? Maybe we need to be strong and courageous. We need to step up. We need to see what God's doing, how He's whittling on us, how He's shaping us, how He's moving us so we can grow up in him. And for those of us who are like, okay, I'm I'm grown. It is time to take the steps of faith to be unleashed into our community, in our church, in this area, and at work. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, and thank you for these moments. Thank you for this time together. Lord, we... Thank you that you are a God who has a plan for us. You see us where we're at, and you don't just leave us there. You take us to the next place. God, I'm sorry for the times in which I thought you didn't care. And really, it was the times you cared the most. God, I ask you to give my heart eyes so it can see how you are shaping me and growing me in new and amazing ways, that the people in this room that are going through really hard things and, and tough things, that if we need a new beginning, God, that you would give us that new beginning, that your redemption, that your saving is for all of us, that you would touch our heart right now and say, yes, I need a new beginning, God. I want to become someone else. I want to develop into someone else. I want to become an adult. Not all that takes is just to God, I want to, be saved by you. I need a new beginning in you, and God. For those of us who've been struggling with our spiritual adolescence, we we ask for a clarity of thought to see the places we can grow. And Lord, for those that we're looking for a place to be unleashed. God, that you would open our eyes to the places we can be strong and courageous. In Jesus' name I pray.